Welcome into the I-80 Club Wednesday night in the club. And uh, tonight, 20 minutes after we were supposed to start recording, we are finally joined by Dirk Chatlin. Uh, you remember him, of course, from the Omaha World Herald. And more importantly, the most important distinction for him, a friend of the podcast. And he joins us now because mainly, Dirk, we wanted to have you on because you don't write about Nebraska basketball anymore. And they're, they're turning in the best season of my adult life. Uh, we appreciate you joining us tonight. How are you? I'm great. Uh, I'm still waiting for the 8.30 a.m. phone call from Jack Mitchell to appear on his radio show, but apparently you have to have a media job to get an invite to that. So, Dirk, what's going on, man? How, how, how are things? Things are great, Josh. I, uh, I've, I was just looking up the other day. Uh, I, I've officially been away from full-time uh, local media for about a year now. Feels like about 10 years. Um, I wish I could tell you that I've found some, you know, amazing purpose for my life that has refreshed who I am. I've maybe traveled around the world a couple times. Uh, none of that is true. I have three kids. I'm coaching an, an, uh, an unhealthy amount of basketball, uh, with absolutely no, no pay involved in that. Um, but I'm really having a good time. And, uh, frankly, frankly, it's, it's kind of nice to not have to, uh, a great sporting event and and have to write about it in the next 90 minutes after it ends. Yeah, I wonder what you think of the... So I was listening to an interview that Peter King did today with Richard Deitch and just some of the, the way that his brain would work when he would be going to sleep and he'd wake up and he would think about something and then suddenly he couldn't fall back asleep because his brain was working. And, and I knew that we were having you on tonight and so I was thinking about you because, as you said, it's been almost a year since you announced your decision on what was next. Um, I, I wonder how his announcement this week has, has kind of landed for you. Well, the difference is he's a much more accomplished and be much older. Um, so I, I, his career is, is very interesting to me because I know that he, like a lot of those NFL guys, you know, work 24 seven, whether he was in front of the computer or not, he was, he was obviously dialed in and, and people, you know, whether it's media or non-media, there's a lot of people who work that way. Um, I have enjoyed the break from that part of it. It's, it's not as all consuming. I don't, I don't follow the, uh, you know, the, the local media machine like I used to, uh, I don't feel compelled to, to know what's going on at all times. Uh, and I, I, I do really enjoy just kind of watching stuff and again, not, not feeling a responsibility to write about it. So, um, you know, I think eventually I'm going to want to get back into this in some, in some way. Yeah. Uh, it, it might be a couple more years down the road, you know, when my, when my kids are not quite as active. So, um, but you know, it's, it's, uh, you can't, you can't necessarily hit pause on, on all the great stories when you leave. And, and we're right in the midst of one right now with Nebraska basketball. Yeah. One more on this. Do you, do you find yourself, is there something that you've watched more of? with, with pulling away or obviously, I mean, it seems like I can kind of figure out what you're watching less of, but like, I saw you tweet at some point recently about the NBA and I can't remember what it was, but I was like, that is the tweet of someone who is certainly very dialed into what is happening in the league right now. And you've always been someone who loves the NBA. So it didn't surprise me, but if you found yourself watching something more than you were when you were in the business, well, I have, um, as a consumer, maybe, but, uh, I, I, I really am. I mean, if, if I found a couple passions, one of them is high school basketball, refound it. Um, you know, it's, it's always been kind of my world anyway. And I, uh, I've been, been helping as much as I can here locally with, with Gretna and, uh, have really, really enjoyed that part of it. Um, so I'm, I'm more dialed into the high school hoop circuit than I probably was a year ago or five years ago. Um, I'm not, I'm probably following college football less. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I don't find myself quite as, uh, quite as fascinated by that or as obligated to follow that. But, uh, you know, it, it is, there are just things that you kind of pick and choose, you know, you, you just, um, the, the, the Husker basketball thing, I'm, I'm just as fascinated by that as I was, you know, 10 years ago when it happened with Tim miles and, I think I think maybe the the bigger lesson here is you kind of fall when you don't have a responsibility to know everything that's going on or, or 
try to know everything that's going on. You kind of fall back on your primary passions and um, high school, college, and and yes, professional basketball are probably at the top of the list for me. Yeah, I'm curious. Like after these games are over, like so I, I texted you and I was like, man, I, I miss reading. I tweet, Jack. I just tweet like crazy. You don't yeah. even tweet that much, though. Like as a as an aggressive tweeter, I don't even I don't even see that much. Like like where is that outlet? I don't know what I would do after these games if I didn't. I tweet about it, but like after Wisconsin, after Purdue, like what do you? Is there is there a desire? Like man, I need to say something about this. You know, that's a great question. I I probably feel that um, probably a little bit less than I expected. Um, I have thought about, you know, over this next month as things are really going to get fun, uh, I've thought about, you know, trying to find an outlet for some of this stuff, but it's not, it's not bugging me that I don't have that outlet. Um, like, like maybe you thought it would. And I, I don't want to say you just kind of sit back and enjoy it, but, but there is a little bit more of an element of that. Uh, and you certainly kind of revert back to, a little bit more of fandom. I think, uh, when you are, when you're responsible for always having something to say, uh, you, the, the, the fan part of you, um, you, you kind of mute that or you certainly dial it back. And, uh, and now that I don't have a responsibility for what to say, I mean, it is, it's kind of fun actually, you know, rooting for local teams and it's not just Nebraska basketball, but, uh, you're, you're rooting for great stories and, you know, sometimes in the old days, would the, the great story was 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 exciting, and yet there was part of you that kind of dreaded it too, because it's like, oh man, this is going to be a lot of work when this, you know, <laughs> having to cover this. Um, That's interesting. And, so and, this uh, is a great this is a great well, story you can just enjoy and don't feel a pressure, uh, assuming you think it's a great story. Yes, I do, uh, and and I think that separates probably my work from your work, Jack, where I actually. I actually did hard work to try to actually cover this stuff. And so there was an element of dread and you by contrast could just basically sit back with a microphone in your hand and, and say whatever you wanted to and so. be who I was going to be anyway, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it is, I do get a kick out. Of, I, I still enjoy the, you know, the snark of social media as much as I ever did. Uh, somebody mentioned the other day that Kent Pavelka even alluded to one of my tweets on the air, which, um, you know, I need to just stop and give Kent a hug sometimes because, uh, you know, he, he takes things a little bit too seriously on Twitter and he probably shouldn't be reading Twitter during games. I saw you responded to something after one, I don't know, it was Purdue, I think, or Wisconsin or something. You were like. Or I can't remember what you said, but he responded. Yeah, you guys had a little back and forth. He responded like super snarky, and I did not take your tweet that way at all. And he responded. Do you remember what? Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't. Oh my gosh, this was like a month ago. Yeah, you said it was something sometime after the Purdue game. I think you handled. He, you he, like you took the high road. What you were saying wrong. Yeah, he way read it wrong. You took majorly the high road, and I was like, wow, yeah. that was that was a lot. So well, I'm, I. I love Kent. Uh, I, I've, I have sincerely told him that if uh, if I ever do a book about Nebraska basketball, I mean, we're he and I are going to do it together. I mean, because because uh, his passion would be would be all the motivation that I need to to do it right. So, um, you know, maybe this spring is the opportunity, Jack. It's man. Uh, it I had him like on my, sh- I had him on my show on Monday. I thought he was going to cry. It was incredible. Uh, in your old spot, it was nice. I mean, it was. I'm mean, not that you you not being there was nice, but I had him yeah, in your sh- old spot since it, since you're gone. Schaefer had a kid. Uh, like my Monday eight thirty five is empty. So Kempavelka is the guy I call, and it was uh, surprisingly it was uh, it was not surprisingly it was really good. So maybe I should have done that the whole time. Hey, Thanks, Derek. I I know um I know people are always interested in media people and fandom. So let me ask you this, given what you said a few minutes ago, are you surprised and does it make you happy that you have found that fandom returning? Well, mm. I think, I think it's, I don't want to say that it's the, that it's the way that I was when I was 14 years old or something like sure. that. Um, but, but it is like, it's fun to, 
Nebraska beats Purdue, and my mind isn't like, um, okay, how am I going to write the first hundred words of a column about this? You know, um, it's more like, you know, similar to how Jack has experienced sports, to be honest, where you, you kind of share in it with the people around you, whether it's, whether it's your friends or, you know, my brother or my kids, or, um, you just kind of get, get to lean into it a little bit it, without the, without that, that thought in the back of your head, like, okay, how am I going to tell this story? Um, and again, part of me misses that part of it too, but, but it does kind of create an opportunity to experience it, a great story, the way that everybody else experiences it. Uh, and that's, that's just through kind of unharnessed joy. Um, and so, you know, Nebraska basketball is, I, I have reflected on this. Uh, Nebraska basketball is probably like my original love. Your first um, sports love? Yeah, and and I don't. I mean, every it, my original sports love was Nebraska football, but but it was that's everybody's right. Um, I the thing that that sort of defines the sickos, uh, you know, is I, I can I can wade into any conversation about Nebraska basketball and feel, um, you know, equally sick, uh, and I and. And especially the, you know, growing up in the, the knee era and I mean, all of that stuff like that's, that was, that is a, a huge part of who I am. And, and I, I still remember going down to, you know, going down on Wednesday nights to games when I was a kid and, you know, my dad wasn't a big basketball fan, but, but, you know, God love him for, for getting, getting us tickets. And, you know, we're sitting up in, in the nosebleeds. Uh, but that was a big part of shaping who I became as, a, as not only a sports fan and, and eventually a sports journalist, but just as a person. Um, and so it's fun, I think, especially to lean back into the Nebraska basketball stuff when they're doing well. Um, not, you know, if they're, if they're struggling, uh, you know, I can kind of ignore it. But, but when they're doing well, it's just, you know, as Jack can attest, it's just a heck of a lot of fun when you have – all those life experiences uh, and memories. It's interesting you say that because like I was thinking about this, I was on a, a podcast on Monday night and we were talking about just the nature of being a Nebraska basketball fan and I can't quite define it, but I think, I think I believe for wrong or for right that as a Nebraska basketball fan, I'm something of a unicorn. And I don't even know how how to how to define that what is, but uh, define what that is. But I I know what you're saying about growing up. There was football, which everyone was a fan of. Everyone was into football. Yeah, there was a smaller sect that was you know a much smaller sect that was into basketball. But on the other hand, Dirk, like I went with my dad starting in 1986, right? And I spent, you know, this is what I always think of. I spent 10 times the amount of time in Devaney Center growing up than I did in Memorial Stadium at any time. It was what I, I spent way more time just because of the nature of the schedule, way more time at, at Nebraska basketball games. And so I don't know why, but there's a different kind of, I'm as passionate as there is about Nebraska football as a fan. But it's different about Nebraska basketball, and it's a, I don't, it, and I think it's a little more unique. But I can't quite explain it. Can you explain that any further? If you think about it, Jack, I'll give you an example, and this is, doesn't answer your question uh, exactly. But um, six, seven, eight years ago, when when I sat down and tried to sell the executive editor of the World Herald on doing forty thousand words on the Danny Knee era. Um, his, he was a Missouri grad. Okay. And I think his response was something like, why, like, why, <laughs> right. why would you, why would you do this? This doesn't That's make a, any sense. Uh, so, there, there's, there's no there, there. And I'm like, no, you got to trust me. Like you just, you don't know the audience. You have to trust me on this. Like, you know, there's, there's all these incredible stories. And he's like, yeah, but they didn't do anything. And I'm like, but it's sort of like saying that Seinfeld doesn't do anything. Like it's there's there's epic stuff in there. You just have to 
you have to look at it from the right perspective. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the Devaney center was, was sort of the home of everything for me because, um, Nebraska basketball was part of it. And then, you know, the state tournament was part of it too. I mean, that was sort of the, the culmination of a lot of, of a lot of my winter of, you know, my winter routines. And that was just, I I just have so many warm memories of, of that environment. Um, I can smell it. I can smell that place. And you know what? It's probably similar to like how, I don't know, Chicago Cubs fans feel or something like that, where you have to, it's, it's so, there's so many dark days that, that you don't, it, it does kind of make you appreciate the, the positive stuff when it happens. I mean, we're, we are 10 years removed from the last Nebraska basketball NCAA tournament run. I mean, that is a long time, 10 years. Um, you know, I, I was a much different person 10 years ago. I mean, I, I think I only had like maybe a kid or something like that. I don't know how old they are, but, uh, <laughs> but my, my point is like, you know, this doesn't happen all the time. So when it does, you, you really, I think, enjoy it more. Um, and especially when it comes out of surprise, like it's just, yeah. I, the, the thing that I say all the time is there's nothing more fun in sports than, than a program that surprises you. Um, and, and I think, you know, Nebraska basketball has achieved that this year because I, I didn't see it coming. I don't know a lot of people that saw it coming. I think what's so cool about it is, you know, Fred Hoiberg is a really likable guy and I thought he should have got fired two years ago. Uh, I was just reading some old columns from two years ago after they gave up 102 points to Michigan. Uh, and after, you know, they were, they were like six and 52 in the big 10 during his, during his three or four years. And, um, you know, somehow Jack, he found a way, I mean, it's just, it's, it's an unbelievable story of, of a guy who I think is, is genuinely a good person who, who found himself at the, at the bottom of a very, very dark hole. And Trev Alberts miraculously gave him a way out and Fred found a way out. What best explains that Dirk? Because I I know I've asked a lot of people lately, like how much of this is the, the, the ab mad Abdomassi stuff, just like moving on from him versus something else. Because obviously I think the story does begin with, Abdamasi no longer being on the coaching staff, but as you keep saying, no one saw this coming. I'm I'm fl- I'm still flabbergasted that they are not just going to make the tournament. That, but that I think that they are a good team that is making the tournament. Yeah, it's there's nothing fluky about it. I mean, it's Nebraska's got, you know, like I like I said the other night on social media, Nebraska's got six or seven guys, uh, and maybe you could say eight even that that on a given night might be their best player. How many college basketball teams in the country have a situation like that? That doesn't mean that their best player is as good as everybody else's best player. And they, they obviously have limitations. I think they don't have an alpha dog and that that's bound to hurt them in certain situations, especially on the road. But, but they have like genuinely good players and a really gritty culture. Uh, and I, I think Abdel Massey, I mean, I hate to lay it at the foot of one guy, but that was, they they escaped that you know problem just in time uh and and arguably never should have been in that situation with him but um but they were so hard to watch 2 years ago yes. you know with verge and and mcgowans and like they were just it was it was despicable almost how how poorly they played it was like watching bad city rec basketball um and i just could have watched that season and said two years from now, Fred Hoiberg, you know, is potentially going to win an NCAA tournament game. And that's, that's the beauty of sports. That's why we come back to this stuff because there's no script for it. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to come next. Uh, And, and, you know, Nebraska basketball, if this is not nearly as simple as once in 10 years, you have to, to appreciate what's happened. You really have to go back and reflect on what they were two years ago. Uh, that 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 was one of my questions. Like, I don't know what to think about Hoiberg. Like, I really don't. How he allowed what happened to happen for those first few years, 
um, you know, whatever the reasons are, it's just, it, 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 it was, it was, it was shocking. And I honestly, I, you know, not to pat myself on the back, but I kept saying when they were going to, you know, it was the talk about miles. So I was like, you guys got to get ready. There's going to be a down, down period for this. And it ended up going that way, but it was even worse than I expected in a lot of ways. Like if he is the coach that we all thought him to be, how could that happen? Like, are you more, are you more shocked that he, that, that, that happened for those first few years or that he was somehow able, because I think there's a bunch of stats out there that like, it, it, look, if you go three years like that and don't do anything, the likelihood historically that you're going to pull it out at the end is almost, you know, it's tiny at this point. Are you, are you more shocked that he started that way or that he's able now that he's somehow turned it around at this great for the time being? Yeah, that's at a least. really fun question. I'm more surprised that he started as bad as he did because even now, I think we forget how bad it was. Um, Nebraska basketball was six and 52 against the big 10 in his first three and a half years or whatever. Uh, and I was, again, I was reading a, a, a column from two years ago um, in 59 games against major conference competition. Hoiberg is six and 53, including 35 double digit losses. Like, Forget turning it around. You don't save your job when those numbers are against you. If, if it's any other major conference program in the country, maybe with the exception of DePaul, uh, Fred Hoiberg loses his job. The, the scenario you know, with the football program helps save him. Nebraska's poor history helps save him. But there is no way, based on the first three, four years. There's no way he deserved to keep his job. That's just facts. He did not deserve to keep his job. Um, the fact that he did and, and turned it around is, is a great, great story, um, obviously. But the answer to the question is I'm more surprised by how bad it was those first few years. Um, you just... It, I'm not going to say it was it was equally as shocking as Scott Frost uh, and and how bad it was under Frost, but 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 it was it was in the same ballpark. Uh, and they because, happened at the same damn time. What a yeah. living hell we all went through! Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, and and honestly, like I do miss sometimes writing stuff like that, where it's just like what you just said, like. Because my one of the things that there were always two things that I that I tried to do in covering sports. One was be super uh, was find was find the really, really small details. Um, and then, you know, it might be a, something in turnover margin. It might be something in, you know, shooting percentages. It might be, you know, something that that nobody else was looking at. And then using that really small detail to to illustrate the really big story. Um, those were always cut. Kind of, that was kind of my my way of doing things. Um, and and I miss I miss that process of of just laying it out for readers and being like what you just said, Jack, this is an amazing story because you have all forgotten how horrible it was two years ago, how horrible it was for those four years. Like it's you think you remember, you think, you know, it was worse than you ever, you know, it was worse than your memory will tell you. Um, and again, it's a miracle that he kept his job. And I, I don't say that with like any sort of, you know, gotcha or any, any satisfaction. I think it, I think it adds to the story. Uh, Trev Albert should have fired him. He should have fired him. I really believe that. Uh, the fact that he didn't and it turned around, man, that, that is so cool. Dirk, what's your favorite part of this team? Oh, just the just the versatility and different ways to win. Uh, I love Joan Gary. I love Sam Hoiberg. I think Sam Hoiberg is a really big piece of this thing. Um, I think his his uh, his energy, his toughness is is a huge. You know, I, I think they would be a significantly less team with without Hoiberg. Uh, I'm not quite as sold on. 
you know, some of the scores sometimes. I don't always love Bryce Williams. I don't always love Casey. Um, but but for the most part, I just love how, you know, when you turn them on, they've got a lot of different ways to beat you. And, you know, if they can if they can defend consistently away from home, which is a big if, uh, I think they're, you know, they're gonna be really tough to deal with in March because they've just they've got a lot of guys that can hurt you. Uh, I think Gary is, you know, is probably my favorite guy on the team. Um, but I just, you know, when you watch them play, you're like, oh man, like Nebraska can beat you this way. They can beat you that way. You know, they can beat you if Casey scores 25, they can beat you if Casey scores four, you know, and, and that's, that's a tough team to deal with. More important. Speaking of Casey, like how, I understand that there are games where he does not need to. Part of the reason this team's good is because you don't need him to do what he can do in some of these games. But how much more interesting and fun does he make this team for you? Well, I think what he does, um, I'm trying to find a metaphor, you know, in another sport or a comparison. Um, you know, it's probably a little bit like, you know, Tyree Kill or something like that, where he that's a good call. Yeah. You know, he can if you're not careful, he can he can blow the doors off of the place or he can, you know, he can knock you out um with a couple punches, right? I mean, if he he can have a four minute stretch where he scores eleven points and and pretty soon, you know, you're you're done. Uh, especially if it happens in Lincoln. I don't love everything about Casey Toymanaga. <laughs> I, I don't love his shot selection. Uh, I don't love how when Nebraska's offense is struggling, his answer is oftentimes to take a harder shot, not an easier shot. Um, I don't think that's a very good recipe for, you know, for winning. But again, the beauty of this is they don't need him every night. It's, I mean, maybe a better, maybe a better comparison is like a, is like a baseball home run hitter who, you know, is going to hit two thirty eight, um, but but he's going to hit a home run once every three or four games, and and the opposing team is always worried about that, right? Um, and I think maybe I'm. Maybe I'm limiting Casey too much by saying that he's a 238 hitter, but uh, the point is, you know, he he carries a big stick, and and opponents really got to worry about him, especially when he gets hot. And Nebraska doesn't need it every night. A year ago, they needed him every single night, and and I think they're a significantly better team when when they only need him, you know, once a week. Yeah, it's hilarious. You you uh, said that two people in the chat said immediately he's Steve Balboni, uh, <laughs> and then one then somebody said he's Pete Incavelia with with the baseball uh, references. But like, so I got to get I, on Google real fast and figure yeah, out. Yeah, uh, Josh has no idea. Jo- yeah. Josh has no idea. Yeah. No idea what we're talking about. But yeah. yet somehow, Dirk. Yet somehow, as a fan, there's nothing I want more than him to be. Than him to be the centerpiece of these wins, like the, the, like the the like that that is what's you he is what's unique about this team in a way to me at least. And I'm curious what you think about this, Dirk. But like he is what is unique about this team in a way that's not only unique to Nebraska basketball, but just really, I mean, like he is such he's 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 such a weird player in so many ways. I mean. Obviously, he's from overseas, right? He doesn't, you know, he English is his second language, right? But we, you've had European players, so you've got you've got all of that. But he'll take ridiculous shots, man. That Indiana game, I'm telling you, what every three he took and he made, I was like, no, absolutely not. And he's making them like I can't even. It it injects a level of fun and enjoyment to what's happening for me personally. That even if they went maybe NCAA tournament and. Bryce, let's say Bryce is scoring 20 points a game. I don't know. It wouldn't be as enjoyable without having Casey there or unique without having Casey there for me. Yeah, I don't, I don't feel that way. I mean, I really though. He's, he's a great story. He's obviously really, what makes, he's what makes Nebraska unique. 
nobody has a player quite like him in the country, and all of that is true. Uh, but what I love about this team is Duan Gary and Sam Hoiberg and um, Rink Mast, and like I, I love. Really, I'm shocked. I'm shocked at that answer. I love. And a little I disappointed. Love, I'm shocked and a little disappointed, but I'm mainly shocked. I love the balance. I love the. Uh, um, yeah, I just I love having a different guy every night. I think it's so cool. Um, I think it's, you know, and, and that's probably a little bit of a difference in character between you and me, Jack, where you're kind of always looking for that surface level high, that dopamine hit. And I'm much more, you know, substantive. <laughs> God, you're such a, you're such a condescend. God, that's so condescending. I'm, you're the worst. I'm much, <laughs> I'm much more about, you know, found foundational pieces and, you know, long-term growth. And you're out there looking for the quick high. Dude. I mean, come on, man. He's, Jack always he, wants the quick high. Just step back three in the corner about Indiana. I've thought about that every hour since it happened. I mean, come on. Jack. Jeez. I'm a volunteer basketball coach now. I'm all about shot selection and good. You're decisions. the worst. <laughs> you got coach. Diving on the floor. Oh, my gosh. That's hey, Dirk, I wanted to ask you something. This is kind of going back to the beginning of the discussion and, and you and just how your brain is working now versus your, your writer days. What's the game this year that, that with the now that you're like, man, I really wish I could have wrote about that one. And maybe the answer is the easiest and that's beating the number one team for the first time since the eighties. But is there a game in particular where you were like, this would have been really fun to write about? Um, yeah, I think the I think the Purdue one is probably is probably number one. Um, I'll, I'll be honest, Josh. The, the the night that I have most missed it, and that I most wanted to be a sports writer in the last twelve months, yeah, uh, was not a football game. It was not a basketball game. It was it was the volleyball game at, at Memorial Stadium. Uh, mm. That was the night that I so wish I had you know, a laptop and a public voice because that was as cool as, you know, that's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Um, so that's, that's probably number one. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of going back, you know, the Wisconsin thing, Jack, Josh was, was really cool. Um, you know, for Nebraska, for Nebraska to pull that out, that was sort of the game this year. And granted it was followed up by two road losses, but I think the Wisconsin game where it was, it was kind of like, oh, okay, like this this thing might be for real, um, and and you know Nebraska is is uh, they got a long way to go still, but there have yeah. been these these signs where where you know you just increasingly uh, become a believer because they're they're doing some things that that really take some character, and and that was one of them. Let me real quick, Jack. Uh, so Dirk, the the opposite end of the spectrum, which football result? Do you most wish that you could have shit on in hindsight? Is it the way that they lost the Maryland game or the way that they lost the Wisconsin game? Which one stuck uh, in your crumb? Oh my gosh. Maryland, a hundred percent Maryland. Um, oh, I think it was Wisconsin. I think it was Wisconsin. Contrarian. Uh, and I'm, I'm not just being a contrarian. You know, again, I, there were some there were some game management things last year where that would have been like the easiest columns in the world, right? Like yes. this oh is, my god. We're talking we're talking uh you don't have to be Jack Mitchell or Josh Peterson to be a great radio talk show host on after games like that because there were some things where um you know I don't want to say they were trying to lose, but if you didn't know better, you would think they were trying to lose. Yeah. That's bad, man. Those are bad memories. Sorry, Jack. I didn't those mean to bring that up for you. Those it are bad. I haven't sorry. thought about those for a long, for, for a long time. <laughs> Seriously. Okay. And granted, I, I wasn't alive, uh, but you know, the way people talk about like the late fifties of Nebraska football, you know, and yeah. the dark days and the lost decade and Bill Jennings. Yeah. Do you think, mm-hmm. do we live, do we live in a media? Do we live in a world where people will even be able to reflect on the last decade in that way, or is it all just going to be a blur to people? And I I feel like we just, we live life so fast now with sports. 
yeah. that we don't ever actually like take a step back and kind of reflect on what just happened. And I'll use the Scott Frost era as an example where like everybody wanted to move on from it so fast that it was like, nobody actually wanted to sit around and actually talk about how the hell that just happened. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I kind of feel like that's how we are with like the last, you know, seven years of Nebraska athletics. And, and there's obviously been a momentum change here in the last few months, but do you think that people will actually ever reflect on how bad this was this last six, seven years? Well, Dirk, isn't, I mean, I know we've talked before. I, I celebrate as I know you do the 2010 season, the greatest season of all time that didn't amount to really anything. They go 10 and four. But I've always said if someone was to write a book about whether it's that or the Bo Pelini era, certainly the Frost era, like there always needs to be that happy ending. There needs to be the epilogue. And then things got fixed and everything was fine. Um, I'm with you. I, I'm, I was still, I mean, a, a year removed now, I'm still kind of stunned that we never got the deep dive into the Frost era. And maybe it's just. Oh my gosh. It's, it's, it just, it stuns me. I was, I was waiting for it for weeks. Brian Curtis from The Ringer, he always calls it the now they tell us story right where you get a lot of like quotes and you get a lot of stuff and some of it's on and some of it's off the record uh and i there's so many rumors out there but i'm a little surprised that no one ever put pen to paper and was like here's what happened here's what people will confirm mm-hmm. and here's what people won't yeah i agree uh by the way i think a lot of that when when the media does that it's i think half the time it's it's kind of crap because um you know you're just you're kind of you're either a writing things that were supposed to be off the record or on background or B you're handing a notebook or a microphone to people who have, you know, who have vendettas or, um, you know, if you're good, if you're gonna if you're going to write a hit piece, at least do it with, uh, with with the microphone on the coach as he compares the athletic director to a mic to a McDonald's fried cook, you know, um, that was of course in reference to Bo and Lincoln North Star, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I, you know, I I don't I don't always love that form of journalism, Josh, because yeah, um, I I think it's it can be, um, you know, I don't want to say it's it's a little squirrely, but but I think. I think reporters have a tendency to sit on things they know, um, you know, when they still need the favor of the head coach. And then once he gets fired, once he gets fired, they're like, Oh, you know, we can just talk about it all now because the guy's gone and I don't need him anymore. You know, it's like that, that doesn't feel right. Right. Well, there's a huge critique of the local media that they sat on stuff. They knew during that era. Right. Yeah. yeah, like is that is that a legit critique? I think I think it's a legit critique. Yeah, um, and in defense of me, I didn't know anything. Um, I <laughs> I don't want to say I didn't know anything, but I I didn't really know anything. Um, and I, you know, Purpo- was that like a own- purposeful thing, Dirk? I didn't know anything either, but yeah. Well, okay, I I will say. You got to be careful because a lot of stuff, whether it's Frost or Polini or even like Tim Miles, a lot of stuff yeah. is just innuendo, right? Yeah. Um, so, so hearing stuff and being able to corroborate it are not the same things. And yeah. sometimes, sometimes yeah. people, sometimes people get upset. <clears throat> They're like, "Well, you knew that. Why didn't you write it?" And it's like, "Well." Yeah, I knew it in the sense that I like heard it from three people, but that doesn't mean that that you know right. it. You know it enough oh. to write it. You know, there's there's a, there's a big leap there. Um, and I, you know, in the defense of the local media, they hearing things and and having it nailed down enough to write are different things. Um, but I, I do think that there is a legitimate critique that that the media should have done more while Scott Frost was still employed to get to the bottom of, of the problems in the program. Um, and, and some of that is probably because, you know, you alienate your readership. Some of it is probably a matter of resources uh, and time. And some of it obviously is that people close to the situation don't want to go on the record with things uh, while the head coach is still there. So, yep. um yep. You know, it's a it's a tough situation, but I in in hindsight, I do think the the local media messed that up a little bit. 
Okay, so as, as to your question, I per partly because of of just personal health and like not wanting to, you know, be texting with the assistant trainer at Nebraska or something like that when something happened. But I, I kind of made a conscious effort in about 2000, basically when I became a columnist, to um, I felt like I could do the job better if if I wasn't trying to, um, you know, be in on every rumor and, you know, have oh, oh, uh, information to to the, you know, to the graduate assistant tight ends coach or something like that. I felt I could do a better job writing truth about Nebraska football. If, if I, if I sort of removed myself and wrote about it from the outside, uh, where I, you know, I didn't have to pull any punches. I could tell the truth. I could maintain relationships, you know, in, in public settings with the head coach and with players, but I didn't owe anybody anything. And I, that was probably the best decision that I ever made because I, I could write something on a Saturday afternoon without fear of, you know, am I going to burn a bridge? Right. Um, and, and you know, I, I had built up enough credibility where I could still go into press conference settings or I could pull Bo Pointy off to the side after, after a press conference and walk with him down the hallway and, you know, there were a lot of good, healthy, you know, moments like that. Um, but, but I, I could sort of free myself from owing anybody anything. And, and again, that was, that was one of the better decisions I ever made. It, Dirk, you don't have to maybe answer this question exactly, but I am curious, like, so like when I hear stuff or if I'm able to confirm stuff, I'll, I'll talk about it like with John, you know, just to let John know, like, hey, here's what, what I've been told or, or whatever, just so he kind of is up on things. Like, did you, would you have conversations? Like, because obviously Sam is super plugged in and Tom is super plugged in. Like, would you, would you ever talk about that type of stuff with them um, to kind of get an idea? Or was that something that you were just like, I, I just, I don't need to know these things because I don't think it's going to help me do my job. Yeah, I, I think it always helps to have, you know, to sort of have an understanding of what's going on behind the scenes. Um, but but I, I find it helpful to not be the one responsible for um, for obtaining that information, you know, and that yeah. was and that's really a credit to to reporters who 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 know that stuff. Um, you know, I I'm not sure you could necessarily do it the way that I did it. If you were the only reporter or columnist at a, at a media outlet, because I think, I think you need sort of good cops and bad cops and people who have different roles. Um, so, you know, I, I, it always helped to be aware of things, but, but again, I so preferred to write about it kind of like from the perspective of the fan. Right. Um, and I, I generally knew a little bit more than than the fan, but I I didn't know as much as Sam and Steve Sipple and and I think that you know, I think that freed me up to do the job better actually. Not better than those guys, but better than I would have otherwise. Better for yourself. Yep. Dirk, I want to ask you kind of going back, it goes back to football and basketball, but you and I had some of our most extensive text messages after some of the most disappointing, devastating moments in Nebraska football um, and probably basketball too, or, or, or conversations on the air of my show where you and I trafficked in (laughs) this kind of weird, dark macabre discussion of just how bad things were very frequently. Um, They appear at least the Nebraska ball, Nebraska basketball season appears to breaking some of that. I don't uh, I'm assuming, I'm thinking, I'm hoping Nebraska football does uh, with some of that. It's been years since you've been able to write and talk about success, like like fun and like, you know, like you had a little cottage industry in like writing about how bad shit was for, for quite a while. Um, like, I, I'm just curious on your... On your thoughts of of experiencing that now, when I know you and I spent spent a lot of time talking about just how bad it was in a whole bunch of situations. Yeah, um, 
In fact, it, it had become so repetitively bad that it was probably, it played a small role in wanting to get out of it because I, I just felt like, I felt like I was sort of becoming a, you know, a little bit of a caricature of my own writing where it was like, God, I feel like I've written this before. I feel like I've said this before. And, um, you know, the one year where Nebraska found invented ways to lose football games. And it's just like, okay, I think, I think we've, we're probably all in a better position, uh, mentally. If we, if we find something else to do on Saturday afternoons. Um, but honestly, Jack, I think, if you if you have a journalistic foundation uh, in the way that you think, what you are attracted to is not success, uh, and it's not you know it's not a particular result. It's it's how good how interesting is the story, um, and that was the part that that kept everybody I think on on our side of the fence um, you know engaged during those dark times is is. Generally speaking, it there was something interesting about it, right? There was something, um, you know. In some cases, it was is Trev Alberts going to keep this guy? Is, um, you know, how will Nebraska lose a game next week? Um, you know, I think now that they've potentially turned the corner, um, you know, it, again, it's the same motivation. It's what is what's the story here? What makes it different? What makes it unique? Uh, I think some of the best training that you can do as as someone with a microphone or a, a keyboard is just is constantly coming back to that question. Okay, what what makes this what makes this distinct right now? Right, what makes it unique right now? Um, and obviously, you know, we've already discussed the Nebraska basketball part of that. I mean, the fact that the fact that Nebraska was as bad as they were for for four years under Hoiberg and, and dug, dug their way out. I mean, I think, I think you just have to keep coming back to that. That's, that's the, the sort of the core of why this is fascinating. And, you know, with Nebraska football, I think, I think there's a genuine uh, interest in, in not only rule as, as a person, but also kind of this, a little bit of an epic story of like, is it really possible to go 20 years in the wilderness and and find a way out. Uh, I'm I'm not as not as certain that that's going to happen. Um, but but Nebraska is is kind of trying to do something that's never been done before in college football, which is be dominant for 40 years and then absolutely be terrible for the better part of 20 years, at least 10, uh, and then and then find their way out. And it's you're you always want to come back to the things that make it an interesting story, and and that's yeah. that's kind of that's kind of the core of it right now. Hey, will you will you tell somebody mentions in the chat, and it's a good question. Tell us a little bit about being in the Gretna community, the Gretna basketball community, and I know they just made state, but uh, obviously a, a a tough season. Um, you're kind of in the inside of that. Uh, fill people in on what that's been like for you. Um, so. Brad Feakin, the the Gretna basketball coach for the last 20 years, uh, lives a block away from me. And, um, and he, he and I had kind of become friends over the last few years. Uh, last spring, he asked me if I wanted to, to be involved in, in Gretna basketball just kind of as a, as a helping hand. Um, we had, you know, had a lot of good conversations over the years. And I was, I've got an eighth grade son, and I was eager to you know, to not only get my kid into that culture, but also, also to be involved myself. I love high school basketball. I love Gretna basketball and the way that Fekin did things. Um, he had been fighting cancer for two years, and um, we got we got pretty darn close over the last year, probably. And he passed away in December, and um, and I've I've kind of been you know, a very, very minor presence in the program, but a daily presence, uh, for, for this, you know, this entire season. Um, you know, I'm, I'm at practices and I'm with the team and, um, I'm, I'm not, not doing a lot. Um, I'm mostly there for, you know, moral support and I've got good relationships with players and stuff like that. Um, but, but it's been so inspiring, um, Fekin passed away December 30th 
and it's been super inspiring to watch you know this this team that was um is is one of the state's best teams um and and watch them kind of rally the community together um sort of be a an outlet for for everyone's grief they're really really high character kids uh it's it's i have so much gratitude to be around them and be around the program on a daily basis and uh and you know we went out to Kearney last night and in front of about 3000 people and probably the coolest high school basketball experience environment i've ever been in uh, won won a district final by two points on on Carney's home floor, and we'll go to the state tournament next weekend. Um, and Brad's uh his his middle school daughter Rylan, his seventh grade daughter was was uh was cutting down the net on top of the ladder oh. after the district final. Oh, and, uh, um, it's it's so cool. I'm probably I'm probably too close to it, you know, to like fully appreciate all the the little you know jerking moments uh because we're we're really close to the family and um you know feeks his kids are hang out with my kids all the time and um it's just it's a really cool thing and we we all miss him a ton uh the players you know have have been far more resilient than the adults in this case uh and and the whole thing is super inspiring and and again I, i'm just super lucky to be to, to play a very very small part of it, uh, it's it's one of the coolest things I've ever been part of in my entire life, and it's a it's a re- reflection of of his character and his leadership that he built this program uh, to the point where even after he passed away, you know it can it can perform the way that it has the last few months. And um, there's a lot more to say about it, but but that's about as concise as I can be. Derek, can you speak more about the kids in this situation? Like, you know, now more than ever, I feel like we're always performing in a way. Um, and, and we feel like we are, you know, at the center of like the story of our lives. This is, I mean, it sounds like a movie that what these kids are going through and, and how inspirational that they are turning into for so many. How, how have they handled it all? Well, they've, they've handled it <laughs> unbelievably. Um, you know, I, I think it doesn't, it, it, nothing, there's, there's no good timing on something like this. I mean, Peek was, he was there at practice in mid November. I mean, he was there. I mean, it was, it's, it happened very suddenly. I mean, he, he'd been fighting cancer for two years and, um, had his gallbladder removed and, um, in early October. And it, it kind of went downhill after that. He just started taking on fluid and the fluid just attacked his organs over the next two months. Um, and his heart especially, but, but it happened so suddenly. I mean, I think everybody was kind of expecting that he was going to be fine. He was going to come back and, you know, then he was suddenly he was gone and, um, it was, it was crushing. And yet I think where I'm going with this is, the fact that it happened during the season became became a blessing because it it gave everybody a a reason a structure to come together uh the thought that of it happening in april or june or september mm-hmm. you know where guys are kind of they're not around each other every day i think it would have been much more difficult so on the surface you know it's terrible that it happened during the season i mean it's you know, right in the middle of the season. But, but as I've reflected on it more, um, you know, I think everybody was, it gave everybody a structure to support each other. Uh, and the players, again, were right at the core of this thing in terms of, um, I mean, you guys, he passed away at, at four o'clock in the morning, five o'clock in the morning on December 30th. And we walked into a gym three, four hours later and we had a metro a metro tournament game that night and the seniors the seniors decided they wanted to play like they wanted to play and we went out and we we won the game on a last second shot from from a, a our senior point it was guard crazy i saw our, it yeah our senior point, senior point guard who started you know 100 a 100 games in his high school career and uh is is just like this incredible high character kid, not to mention how talented he is. Um, I mean, it's, 
it's just hard to put into words. I think we're all going to have to kind of get clearance from it. Uh, but at the same time, you, you really don't want it to end because I think once it, once the season ends, you know, there is going to be a little bit of like, Oh man, you know, um, you're, you're sort of living a little bit on adrenaline right now. And, um, state tournament next week is is going to be hard for lots of reasons you know Fekin had these guys in the state semifinals a year ago a year ago and you know we we'd love to win a state championship but no matter what happens uh it's going to be really hard next week because it's the end of it and and in some ways it, it sort of makes you confront it uh all over again wow thank you for sharing that with us uh i, I appreciate that um man it's 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 been I've I've followed it from the outside, but I didn't know all the details. So um, I pre and you know someone who usually gives you a bad time about Gretna now, you know, yeah, I feel like a real asshole uh, about it. So you know, Jack, we have a Culver's now. We have uh, a Chipotle. Oh, listen, listen have, you're getting you're, you're getting, getting an a NHL team. You're getting an NHL team, a Tony Robbins resort, an IKEA, a lake, uh, a USA volleyball. I mean, you're becoming the Las Vegas of the Midwest, so it's exciting. You know, for hey, you, I'm sure. When 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 Gretna gets an NHL team, uh, I'll I will. Uh, yeah, I'll, I I don't believe that. Well, uh, I believe some of the other stuff uh, over. <laughs> I, uh, I give that about uh, a 0.1% chance. You, you uh, believe the Tony, you believe the Tony Robbins healthcare center and the uh, great wolf lodge, but not the NHL team. Okay. I got it. All right. Good. Um, <laughs> uh, la, la, last thing, last thing. If Nebraska does this, if Nebraska basketball goes to the tournament, let's end on a high note Nice. and they, and they win one freaking game and they win one game. What's that going to be like? What will that? I mean, I can I can try and opine on this, but you understand it too. I think the same way that I probably do. What do you think that'll be like here, Jack? Okay, we have not had this conversation, and I'm that's probably my fault. But you you are sort of the target audience for my comparison for this because do you ever look back on the the Royals run in 2014 and just and you're just like wait a second, what? Like, did that actually happen? Right. Yeah. Uh, and waiting Seems like 30, a dream, waiting yeah. 30 years for that. Um, you know, a, a program or a franchise that was so, so downtrodden that you didn't even really allow yourself to dream it. Uh, obviously a different level of success. I mean, they won the world championship in 2015 uh, in Nebraska basketball. If they win an NCAA tournament game would be one of the top 32 teams in the country. <laughs> okay. Not the same thing. But, but I, I I imagine it's going to be something like that, right? Yeah. Like that, like that wild card night, um, dude, that wild card night in 2014 against the A's. I mean, I was, I was there for that. And my, my hunch is it will be something like that. And, and the cool part is honestly, this makes it better, not worse. It will not be national story for very long like it'll be a national story for like 16 minutes um until you know a 14 seed beats a three seed and nobody's going to care anymore um but it will be such a huge thing to the jack mitchells and to the kent pavelkas and to the judd chatlins and to the you know all the people who have committed all this time uh and and i think that's the cool part is it will uh, nobody will get it, Jack. Nobody will get it. Creighton will mock it. Uh, Iowa fans will mock it. Uh, and, and the people who, who ate up the Danny knee series in March of 2018, they will, it will feel like, you know, some sort of homecoming. Uh, it will feel like some sort of reunion. And, uh, and if, if there's ever a time to sort of gather in the streets of, of Lincoln. Uh, I think, I think it's that moment. Yeah, man. I mean, my, my dad died in May of 2015 Royals fan, Husker basketball fan, Husker football fan. He was over at my house for that wild card game. Wow. Um, and, uh, it, well, it, it gets worse. Uh, 
I asked, he and a buddy of mine were there. I It didn't go well early in that game, as you'll recall, People Dirk forget. being there. I asked him and my friend to leave my house. I did not have any desire to watch that anymore. So he, so they left, and then I stayed up in the middle of the like late. I turned it off at one point. I turned it back on, and they they won the whole thing. Uh, they they won that. He passed the next spring, um, which coincidentally was also after you know Nebraska basketball had gone to the NCAA tournament. We went to all the games. The net. I I went to no Sunday with him, and then. Uh, the next year we went to the games, we thought this was the year they started out ranked, and it didn't happen, right? So I missed the near miss with him in 2014 with Husker basketball experiencing with him, and 2014 with Nebraska, or excuse me, with the Royals. Uh, he passed in 2015, missing both of those. Royals won the World Series, and I sat out um, in my driveway. I'd put the, the the game where they won the World Series on the garage and I sat there and I watched it by myself, the post game until three in the morning, having to work the next day. And I just felt like I was with them. Like, I'll tell you, Dirk, man, um, if, if this happens like that's, it'll be one of those things. He's been dead for almost a decade now, but I'll be reaching for my phone, wanting to text him and be like, man, just talk to him about it. Because that for me, for me personally, like that's the association. When I talked about being at Devaney Center ten times more than I was at Memorial Stadium, that was all about me and him from nineteen eighty six to nineteen ninety whatever, you know, going to those games when there was very little return uh to go to those games a lot of the times. And there were some good times in there as well. Um, but yeah, that whole that that whole moment just hearing and I know I'm not the only one. And I know not, not everybody has a story that's dramatic, right? As, as that, as it is for me. But I want to be that night when it happens, if it happens not this year, I want to be with people who went through that. And I think you understand what going through that means, but I want to be with people who went through that. Jack, it's, it's so, you articulate it so well, and I... I didn't deliberately put it on a tee for you, but but I'm glad I did. Um, and let me tie it back to the point we just made. You know, we're out in Kearney last night, and um, and you know, I'm watching watching Brad's daughter climb the ladder and cut down the net. You know, for a district championship. And um, you you think about when you lose people. Um, I think when I'm when you're younger and you lose people. You think about this this massive, like, eternal gap between where you are and where they are, right? And then, and then I think you get older, and and that gap, um, you know, it's just as it's just as heartbreaking, but but you, the distance is somehow narrowed, right? It's like the spiritual the spiritual distance closes the physical distance. To the point where it doesn't feel like they're very far away. It's crazy. I mean, Brad yeah, used to I'll feel it, man. Yeah, Brad used, Brad used to walk by my house like every day, right? And I swear, I still see the guy walking by my house. Like I still, you know. And it's I think one of the cool parts of life. And I, you know, I haven't lost my parents, um, but but one of the cool parts of life is when you realize that 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 physical distance is not the end all be all right like there's something that trans transcends that there's a spiritual distance that you can close yep. that's that somehow substitutes for the physical distance um and it's 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 sort of a magic surprise in life uh when you when you realize that the physical distance is not the all-powerful right um and yeah. it's it's true with faith it's true with um, it's true with people that you lose. Um, there's just a, there's a piece of that. There's a, there's a closeness and intimacy with people like that, that you don't lose even when you lose them physically. Um, and what you just, des you described that so well. Yeah. And like, I want to experience, experience that, right? Like I want to experience that, that feeling, right? That sort it'll, it'll come from that. It will. 
you know, for better or worse, it'll come from us the result of a sporting event for me. And it will. And it'll be sad, but you know, there'll be a closeness, which is worth the sadness uh in the whole thing, which I think is what you're talking about. Yep. So yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Wow. Josh, man, got a little heavy at the end. Sorry about that. That's my fault. No, Dirk, uh, you're the best, man. Uh, somebody said it earlier that Dirk should start a sub stack. Uh, I would agree. I'll subscribe, Dirk, if, if whatever your next step is, a sub stack. If you just want to come and hang out in the IED club now that we've Dude, got figured out the Discord component. Forget that. IED exclusive, man. There you Forget go. Yeah, that. come right. Just come right in our comments. Just come right in our various interviews. Channels. He doesn't want to write. He just wants to talk. <laughs> he can do this every month, right? Let's there do we it. Go. Dirk, man, we really appreciate you uh, joining us tonight. A hundred percent. Yeah, man. absolutely, guys. Can't wait to watch the next month unfold. There we go. Uh, Patreon.com slash IED Club. We'll try to do this stuff more often. We appreciate everyone for joining us. Uh, for Dirk, for, for Jack, I'm Josh. Thank you so much, everybody. And uh, we'll see you on Saturday morning for Saturday Morning Coffee Show.